0: Hi, I'm Carrie, your friend, the therapist. On this podcast, we are skipping the small talk and working to destigmatize mental health through intimate conversations with everyday people about their mental health journeys and how they stay well in a world that feels like it's falling apart. This season, we are exploring what it means to stay well and find healing after experiencing religious harm. Please note that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health support with a licensed professional. If you want to be part of the conversation, please follow the show on Instagram at your friends, the pod, or send me an email at kerry carrie at com. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Guest today is Brandon Flannery. Brandon is an ex-pastor, ex-missionary, and ex-evangelical who writes about the tenuous intersection of faith and sexuality. He has conducted research on the consequences of beliefs and why people are leaving Christianity. His writings are featured in The Scribe, Baptist News Global, the University of Colorado, and the Colorado Springs Indy, and his debut book, Stumbling, a sassy memoir about coming out of evangelicalism premiered in August, 2023. In addition to being a writer, Brandon co-founded the LGBTQ Christian dating app, Believer. Brandon, it is so good to have you here. I'm excited for our conversation.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Carrie. I'm really excited as well. So yeah, yeah. appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, I, I think I heard you on um the Cheers to Leaving podcast, perhaps. Were you on that podcast? No, maybe it was Heaven in a Skirt.
1: That's the one I was like, Yeah, I've done quite a few. So I, it's possible for one, but I'm like, I typically remember them, even I don't necessarily can tell you the ones, but recall, I typically can do pretty well. And I'm like, The first one, but yes, Heaven, uh, can get to heaven in a me skirt is, is was so much fun. It was so yes. much fun. Yeah.
0: Yes. I loved the interview. Um, and I had to read the book, even though I've taken a step back from reading kind of deconstruction books recently. But that was a book that I was like, This doesn't feel hard. It, it was heavy but it didn't feel hard
1: um it oh, makes read. me happy so. to hear. so yeah. and the fact that you decided yeah. to read i get the whole taking a step away from deconstruction evangelicalism because it's it's interesting because i found myself i processed all that and wrote the book mainly for my friends because i kept having the same conversation mm. and so i had already processed so much and then wrote it and the process of publishing is a journey so i it was really interesting like talking about it and writing about it and creating content around it when I don't necessarily live there all that much either. So I Mm -hmm. deeply understand the whole, like I don't really consume that type of content anymore. So thanks for jumping in (laughs) for for my my book. So yeah,
0: absolutely. And and we'll get there for sure, but it it definitely, it was, um, I think I, if I had read it at an earlier stage in my own deconstruction, it wouldn't have landed the same way. Mm -hmm. So it, Mm -hmm um, it didn't feel like, Oh, I've heard this story before in any way. It was like, Oh, okay. Like there is, there's a journey that that Mm -hmm. we follow. Um, Mm -hmm. anyway, let's take a step back. (laughs) I've read your book, obviously. Um, listeners may not have, although they should, but can you tell us a little bit about your relationship to high control religion, including experiences you might've had growing up or later in life?
1: Yeah. I, so, um, in the past, uh, so some of the high religious uh, experiences um, and organizations that I found myself in included <clears throat> evangelical non-denominational megachurch culture. So the church that I grew up in was a megachurch out of Colorado Springs. Um, New Life Church, uh, the pastor was Ted Haggard, who at the time, who was this pastor who had a uh, an affair with a man. And so it was a big deal for me as a gay person to experience that. But like, on a sunday morning like hearing his anti-gay rhetoric not all the time but it would pop up um and then uh from there went off to team mania ministries um they did acquire the fire um and their school that i did with them was the honor academy um very high control and then ywam and then also working in the Mm. while it was non-denominational we kind of uh, sun out from assemblies of God, so um, which is pretty high control. I mean, like, I, I would be in conversations where people believe that if the pastor told you to do something, it was the will of God. Mm. So, um, those are kind of all the different ones, and it, it's really interesting when I hear the language of high control because now getting perspective, I can say that all those spaces were high control, um, fundamentalist christian um experiences and it's so funny because in the midst of it it felt like you had so much agency and -hmm. so it's funny how um Mm -hmm. past brandon and current brandon like reflect on those times because i was even thinking about i'm going to see some friends of mine from honor academy actually this next week um and it's just our we literally just named the text thread cultish um And it's just so interesting because in those spaces, all of it felt like you were making these choices because it's not like this, like you need to do X, Y, and Z very, 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 very rarely. But a good Christian does X, Y, and Z and being passionate looks like X, Y, and Z. And those who really love God, X, Y, and Z. And of course, that's the type of person that you want to emulate and be. And so you do some crazy stuff. Like I, Especially in my Bible school, with teen mania like we had some crazy events that were almost all of them were optional um and which is just insane to me now thinking about it because like they they would pull off the like oh yeah yeah it's completely voluntary it's like yes and there's such an intense um emotional um and spiritual abuse that's laid in behind it that i always jokingly say um evangelical christians especially that high control um version, which is quite a bit of it, uh, is so good at branding (laughs) and marketing because they convinced me to work for them for free, work for them for cheap um, and do all these things for them in the name of God, in the name of um, love, in the name of um, humanity and ended up actually even causing harm in the name of those things. So, yeah. Um, So I guess that's it. very quickly my exposure and um, history with high-control fundamentalist Christian experiences and organizations.
0: Mm, at what point did you realize that you were in a high-control group, like had that language, or even before the language just started yeah. to know, like, hmm, I don't have as much agency as I kind of was led to believe.
1: Yeah. Um, what's interesting is I've always been kind of um, a stubborn or rebellious person. And what's interesting is that my... Um, Beliefs and faith relating to Christianity flourished in those lack of high control. Um, Like I remember when I switched to a public school, I went to private school. So I guess that's another one too that was high control. Mm -hmm. Um, Public school and in that space where there was this freedom and stuff like I chose to um, using language from that time would be like born again Christian and convert and whatever language you want to use there was during that time. But in those other ones, I definitely would like kind of ruffle a little bit. And I remember even at my Bible school, um, there'd be—I uh, was wanting to stick around for more time, uh, like as a mentor role. And I, they were—they were like, "Well, you're not really good at spiritually leading." And then jokes on them. Became a youth pastor later, <laughs> but like where it was, um, where I was like, "You are manipulating me, and I'm not cool with it." I would say it was my final high control experience and that would have been with ywam out mm-hmm. in berlin and um our particular leader again like a lot of it was like choice and agency it felt like that way so it was like then looking back i'm like oh my gosh yeah, i picked these things but did i really have a choice um oh, with the culture that i was in and the people that i was around and the things that we were hearing and the thoughts that we believed um but uh, when i was a missionary um almost every week, uh, the, the flavor of leader that we had was very, um, um, sensational. And so like we would have, um, we'd have to volunteer with this youth group and in the youth group, we'd have to stand on our chairs and roar in the spirit. And like that type of charismatic language was not completely foreign to me. It was just, it was like, lemon pepper seasoning i don't put it on everything but you know it's definitely there when i put it there and so it was that and also actually when i went to india and working with some pastors out there um that were very charismatic as well so they would do things so depending on who's listening but they would do things like laying on of hands and slaying in the spirit where the pastor puts their hand on your forehead and mm. if if god is moving you're supposed to fall over uh, like a yeah. quintessential person of this would be like benny benny Hinn. Yeah. Benny Hinn. Yeah, Um yeah. And um, so like that, and like, they're, you know, pushing their hand on my head. They're wanting me to speak in tongues, like, which is a form of gibberish um, and doing these like expressions. And I remember thinking, this isn't for anyone but them. In their ego. Like I remember this moment in particular, I was running sound for my leader and people are standing on their chairs and screaming. And I'm just like, what is this accomplishing? This isn't helping anyone. This isn't, in fact, it might be hurting and ostracizing some people who don't feel like they have permission to do that. Um, yeah. And you're punishing people who are a little bit more timid with these emotional consequences. And so I'm sitting there, um, And this is like at least the sixth time he's had to stand on these chairs and roar. And I'm just like, how are you helping? Who is benefiting? The only person I can see benefiting is your ego. You want to see that we are responding to your charisma. And so that was definitely the moment where I'm like, I'm not okay with this. And it was also the first time that like, there was truly like where I said, Hey, I'm not willing to do this. And there were, certain consequences or like they were trying to manipulate manipulatively move me um like um there's like a gaslighting situation where they said well this has always been the wrong like that is not i'm very aware of the rules because i want to know what keeps me safe like that's how i was raised and this was never a rule and so like the uh feeling the constraint of that and the emotional manipulation around that space is definitely the one that um Showed it to me. And I also think it was the hypocrisy because every Tuesday Mm. we would be out, rain, snow, heat, evangelizing. And this guy who always wanted us to do all these things in the name of God, like, rarely showed up, especially when the weather was bad. And so I'm like, so we're busting our asses for you. You show up, do a talk here or there, like, rally, like, stir us up, so to speak, and then you peace out. Um. So the inequity there, I think, was another moment where I'm like, wait a second, I'm not willing to do this because I think a lot of the leaders I had been, while there was some drama around them, most of them were willing to do, if if not what I was doing, even more and so that's where it felt a little bit more equitable but um in that situation in particular it's like oh no like this is and that's one of the ones that always stands out to me is like i've worked with bigger, bigger churches where the head pastors making six figures and then like everyone on his staff is like living in their parents basement or something Ooh. like or working another job yeah. so those moments in particular where there's that um stark difference um between leader and those that they're leading is was a big moment for me to realize this control is benefiting the person at the top, not, um, all of us. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. How did you come to be a pastor or a youth pastor?
1: You know, so past Brandon would say I had a call of the Lord. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, uh, in one of those very emotional spaces, like my, my youth group was very, um, sensational as well. Um, not as like, Mm -hmm. you know, not as crazy as something like Bethel or something like that, but like, Mm -hmm. um, the idea of getting a prophecy or like God speaking something directly to you is not foreign. And so like, it was just one, um, camp that I went to that was really important to me where I felt like I wanted to go off and, um, I loved writing and I loved acting and singing. And so I was like, I'm going to go off and do that. And then I felt like, like real, like, I was supposed to sacrifice that and become a youth pastor because that's what a good Ooh. Christian would do, you know, like right. growing sacrifice. up. It was, exactly. Sacrifice is a big thing. And it's like, yeah. um, you know, the language was always this imagery of, well, Abraham sacrificed Isaac. What is God going to sacrifice? And it's so interesting because it really mm-hmm. did a number on my desires. And also probably because I'm gay. And so like, that's limit. That's also affecting your, a weird relationship with desires. There's so many times throughout Mm -hmm. my life growing up where I went, I knew what I wanted and chose the opposite because I felt like that was the holy thing to do was what, what could look like sacrifice from giving something up that I really want. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was at my crazy, um, uh, school in Texas, um, team mania. And they invited me back for another year. And I was really excited. They wanted me to act and sing, um, and tour throughout the United States and be on this bus. And I was just like, this is my dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's that whole sacrificing of like, Oh, because it's my dream, I should, I should let it go. And yeah. so I moved back to Colorado Springs because a pastor offered me a uh, junior high pastoring position as a 19 year old, I may add. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, I was like, well, that's the thing that's like sacrificed. And I, what's interesting is there is a handful of things I would go back in time, and that one's even sticky because while that would be beautiful to go back and tour, and that would be so much fun, um, I got to do it later in in Germany. And I really do, even though I was a part of some um, very fundamentalist expressions of Christianity. To this day, most of my the kids that I pastored, if something went down, they'll text me and that's like a sign for me of like okay maybe i didn't do (laughs) two i don't have to apologize for too much that i did as a youth pastor um and i really did love like that those three years really did impact me in such a way where it's like um hopefully going back to school here soon uh depending on if i get accepted into the program that i want for masters in social work and so like part of that is like my experience working with kids like it changed me and impacted me in such a beautiful way where i loved it so much like Was a um, middle school teacher for a bit
0: um,
1: after leaving all that. And so while my motives for getting into it weren't pure um, by any stretch of the imagination and problematic, I'm so grateful that I did um, because of the impact that it made on me. So yeah, that Mm. long story short, it was taking what I didn't want was the long and short of me going into youth ministry. So Yeah.
0: yeah, and I'm the therapist in me is wanting to like look at the word "pure" that you just used my
1: motives weren't pure, yeah um and
0: talking about <laughs> I mean, and that is such like christian languages it is
1: too. <laughs> god it's like you still i still bump into stuff when it comes to that Ooh. i guess my motives weren't selfless would maybe be a better more okay. clean way of expressing that sort or problematic because it my motives were like this weird push full relationship with my wants and desires and that's probably been the biggest work for me leaving evangelicalism mm. is getting in touch actually even what I want with what I want um wow. and labeling it as something good and like that it's neither good nor bad it just is and what do we want to do with that um it is a lot of the work that was really critical for me after leaving so
0: mm. yeah what what is some of that looked like like how have you started to figure out what do I actually want? And, and that's an okay thing to want, whether you know, it's sexuality or like yeah. what I want for dinner.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a good question. I think I'm still doing work. Even when it comes for dinner, I'm like, ah, because I just yes. eat whatever. But like, I think one thing that was really good for me is getting in touch with uh, what I didn't want, you know? Mm. So I think that was a good place to start um, because that wasn't viable in the past of like, oh, I, you know, well, I don't want to do that isn't. Wasn't really a good excuse. Um, and so mm-hmm. getting in touch with that helped. And I, I, I talk about this with people who are leaving evangelicalism because um, I, I actually recently wrote about this where it's like I, a, a stupid phrase I remember growing up with was run to, not from. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know if you, that was a Christian thing or where that came from, but I mean,
0: I, I definitely grew up based on what I know about you much more conservative. Like not charismatic. So there could be some language differences in our
1: upbringing. I don't know where it comes from, but like this idea of like, you don't just want to like pick up and leave from somewhere just because you don't like it or whatever. And I've come to terms like, no, that's actually really important for me. Like if you're being hurt by someone or something, it doesn't matter where you're running to. You just need to get away. And so yeah. for for me, it was like recognizing in my body, I don't feel safe. It was recognizing in my body, I this isn't helpful to me. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I need to get distance from this, mm-hmm. whether it be evangelicalism, whether it be like someone I'm dating, whether it be like conversations with family, like paying attention to my body of like, oh, it doesn't feel safe right now. I need to, and that was just a whole thing of like, even. Getting language around anxiety and um, mm. the physiological expression of that um, and that it's not evil because I was also something that was taught it was like yeah. anxiety, depression, all those things are like bad and evil yeah. and you don't talk about them. So like paying attention to my body of what I didn't want and getting space then allowed me to kind of, once I create safety, then I could work on the other side of that. And that was, Mm. what do I want? And I think a big thing for me was with my sexuality, because it was a desire in my body since I was a little kid. Um, And um, just owning that and saying, I'm going to step into this and see what might Mm. happen. And this was while I was still like, I had questions about God and questions about my expression of Christianity that I was attached to and wasn't sure um, how I felt about that and if there even was a God. But I knew that, like, in the midst of that, I I wanted to own this desire and that it hadn't gone away in spite of prayer, yeah. in spite of um, dating women, in spite mm-hmm. of all these things. So, like, that was, I think, a, a important, powerful, and rough first step, uh, stepping into what I want, because then you, like, kind of need to clean it up because then it's just like okay well i want a dude well now that i've decided that like i got a dude is this the right dude that's Mm -hmm. for me is this actually a dude that helps me and is is what i want because i don't know because it wasn't something i was in touch with um Mm. so i think that that was a huge part of it and also some of it has just been a gamble where i'm just like let for me um i know there's not like a ton of credence on a uh um what i'm looking for like um i guess like scientific backing but like Myers briggs has helped me in certain ways to like navigate my life and so like as an yeah. nfp i need to try things on and so um mm. even just trying things i'm just like i it, that's what's been so cool too and freeing uh, my flavor of christianity was like not even what's the right thing but what's like uh the correct thing to do. I know it's like a little bit nuanced, but it's like not, it's not enough just to do the good thing, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you could have two good things in front of you and you better pick the the God thing, like what God is telling you to do. Um, And so, yeah. uh, just trying something on where I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's just see. Like, an ex- example of that is like, I picked up rock climbing and have really loved it. And it gets me in my body and I get to problem solve. I'm like, I think maybe I like that. Let's just try it on and see how it fits. Mm. Um, another one is I tried kickballs moving here to Atlanta. It was not a fit. And so, it's just like, I, for me, getting in touch with my desires has been kind of like trying on clothes. And sometimes mm. they're too tight, um, and other times they're too loose. Sometimes they're itchy. and plenty of other times that's a good fit because actually even though I doubt myself once I kind of take a leap I'm always like oh we actually did know that that was a good Mm. move even though I wasn't sure I deep down I think I did know so
0: yeah yeah. yes yeah and I I think I talk with like colleagues a lot who are in this field um, about how high the stakes are when Mm. we're in high control religions like Every mm-hmm. decision, right? Like you said, has to be the correct, has to be God's will. Yep. And, and when you take that away, like, yeah, there's freedom to try something that doesn't last, doesn't work mm-hmm. for you. The stakes aren't as high. It's just life.
1: <laughs> and what's so interesting about that too, of like the, um the, the like stakes part of it is just like, um I, like everything became such, a, I remember that with my school, they made a big deal out of like, if you leave, you are outside of the will of God. That was one that was like a very powerful, manipulative one um, that I was like reflecting back on. Like, sure, you could choose to leave at any moment. Like you're not legally bound here. There's not a fence Mm -hmm. surrounding this whole entire thing. But if you leave, there was this deep belief that like, oh, now I'm outside of the will of God, which is always Mm -hmm. so interesting to me of like, you need to discover what the will of God is. And for some reason, God is hiding it from you and you have to try to figure it out somehow and and shame on you if you don't get it right for god yeah. mysteriously hiding it from you um so it's just like this weird tension of like walking on eggshells with your choices over mm-hmm. really sometimes very simple things
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah but yeah that high stakes I-
1: thing is very very powerful thought yeah
0: Right. And it's one of those ways that, like, there's all these ways I've heard you talk about these subtle manipulation tactics that aren't Mm -hmm. outright, like, give us, like, access to your bank account, like those Mm -hmm. very, like, (laughs) overt control mechanisms that some cults absolutely do. But these are much more, like, subversive, insidious. Um, What is your relationship to religion and spirituality like right now? And I'm curious if there's even been development since your book was published
1: yeah that's i love that you asked that that tag on question because it's so interesting um like i said like starting to write this book having one intention by the time it comes out it's only been uh like the very last chapter i i tacked on because i thought it was very important to kind of give a little bit more rounding to things uh, second to last Mm -hmm. chapter um it felt more closure because i remember being two years away from that last chapter and being like, I am not that same person. <laughs> mm. um, but at some point you have to decide this is the end for the book. anyway. Yeah. You know, life continues, yeah. but a book needs a final page. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that uh, I do, well, I do kind of lean on this at the end of the book. I, I do find grounding and believing in something beyond me. Um mm. Which um, doesn't have to be actually be true. And so that's what's really interesting for me now is that um, I didn't end up ever putting a quote in him uh, from him in it. But I didn't realize how important his book was for me. But uh, Brian McLaren does this book called A More Generous Orthodoxy. You're smiling. Have you read it?
0: No, but I know Brian McLaren. I, okay. I haven't read the book though, but I okay. probably will be after this.
1: <laughs> it's it's really it was really helpful for me because I'm I would imagine that there's some crossover here in this part, but so much of Protestant Christianity is you have the right belief, mm-hmm. and so it's what you unite against. It's what churches split over. Um, it's um, how doctrines are written. It it's how you decide who's in and who's out. It all comes back to orthodoxy. And um, I didn't realize how controlling that is to make sure that you're on the right side of truth um, and being scared to get it wrong. And that book was a part of a number of different steps where it's like, none of us could have this right. So if there is a God and if there is a purpose to life, it can't be right believing because mm. there are thousands of religions all over the world and there are depending on how you split it up hundreds two thousands of denominations even inside of protestant christianity so you're telling me that inside of this one religion inside of this one version and flavor of this religion you got the lucky draw by being born in the right spot and you got the right answer yeah um it just didn't make sense to me especially if i believe if there is something beyond me, I want to believe that that being is benevolent. Mm. Um, And so um, it didn't line up with what I, what I wanted to believe about God actually. And there was actually another conversation I had with a friend where he switched from uh, correct believing to beautiful believing. And so Mm. he's like, I want to believe in things that cause beauty in myself and the people around me. Um, and I, it was just such an impactful thing for me at the time. And so then Brian McLaren brings up, like, I, he believes that what's more important is orthopraxy, so right living. And um, it's been fascinating to me that a religion that touts that God is love has been known so well abroad outside of its own framework that it that, that is the last thing that they're known for. Yeah. Um and so, like a phrase that I bumped into quite a bit um, when starting to create content for my book was like, "Ain't no uh, hate like Christian love," mm-hmm. and the fact that the expression or practice, um, the living of Christianity, is so far removed because there's such an obsession with the right believing that you would even—I mean, it wasn't that long ago, even in within Christianity, that um, people were blowing up each other in Ireland. Um, as a result of who had the right doctrine, and so that's where it's just like, I don't think that it can be about what what we believe correctly. So now there's a freedom to think. Well, I can try think again. NFP trying things on, and so like I've I've like went to um me and my friend went to like a Hindu temple that's here in Atlanta to check it out. Um, I'm um I have recently been kind of more settling into um. Quakerism just gets so open, especially here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always the case. Um, but like, I found a Quaker meeting that is just one proxy. like how they're showing up in the world makes me want to be a better human. And I like love how they show up in the world. And Quakers, Quakers have typically been at the forefront of a lot of social justice issues. So mm-hmm. it also makes me trust it a little bit more. But also, mm-hmm. like, I'm sitting at a table because um, we share a meal uh once a month and there's a non-binary human across the way from me there's a hindu there's an agnostic there's an older quaker couple a young quaker gay man and we're all sitting at the same table and that for me was a way of saying i don't think this is necessarily the right answer but i think it is a beautiful answer and it makes me show up Mm. more beautifully so um yeah i've been trying on different Mm. things like that i've like dabbled into reading about Taoism. And so, again, I want to try things on because I think that there are spiritual truths um, that I can, not the truth, but there are truths that I can learn from my fellow siblings on this planet, regardless of what they believe, because I don't think it's about the what anymore. Um, I think we're all bumping or stumbling, that's the name of the book, (laughs) into the divine. And I think that um, I want to learn from that. And even, like, people who aren't necessarily... um, have a name behind what that deity is like i i learned mm-hmm. so much also of kindness and how to show up in the world for my friends who are atheists and like they have this um morality that is so horizontal in nature of how it's affecting the people around them rather than vertical can like needs to be brought down on them from this god above that mm-hmm. they're some of the kindest sweetest people in the world. And a me would like to land there, I just know that for me and listening to my body, like I was more anxious when I didn't believe that there's something beyond me that I could connect to, um, which probably isn't a great answer. Like for the theologian out there, that's like, that's not an accurate answer. And to be honest, I, I don't care anymore. And so it gives me freedom to try on even beliefs that served me and create beauty in me and the world around me. So um, that's kind of where I, where I've found myself. It's very, I, if people want me to identify myself, I say I'm an optimistic seeker um, or open seeker. So um, I, I want to try things on and I want to experience and I want to pursue still. Um, but with a knowledge of that, I will never arrive um, gives me freedom to try on and keep seeking rather than growing stagnant and just saying, well, I found it. Mm-hmm. So.
0: yeah, And I really love the, um, distinguishing between right belief and right living or right mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it, it made me think that perhaps in order to find beauty, we actually need to let go of this search for what mm-hmm. is right mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's, there's like blinders on, you can, you can't see mm-hmm. what is actually around.
1: And if you're so focused on black and white, you miss out on the color, mm, yeah. like to take a really maybe silly analogy. But like, I do think that like, there's so much, mm. I used to kind of lean into the language of gray and I'm just like, mm. no, I think that there's actually even more to it than that. Like if I'm so, and I have people in my life who are so focused on the black and white that mm-hmm. they can't see the color of the person in front of them. And at that point i don't think it's a good belief personally like i i don't care what anyone believes anymore where it's like i if you want to believe in to to steal the spaghetti monster in the sky that's used for satire like if you want to do that that i'm so if it makes you happy and creates beauty around for yourself and the world around you i am so for it um where where I care about what you believe is how it affects how you show up in the world and the people around mm. you. Um, and I don't actually care anymore if you have the best answers for what's beyond and you can back it up with all this data and information and text. Mm. I really don't. What I do care is how are you showing up in the world and how do your beliefs shape that person? Um, mm-hmm. That's far mm-hmm. more important to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was kind of first deconstructing and my parents who are still quite religious would try to like argue with me on the, like using the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where I was like, yeah, I actually, I mean, I never said this to them, but like, I don't really care what you believe. Like, it's not about that anymore.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, I remember, sorry, go ahead. It just we're not gonna find common yeah. ground here because I don't care.
1: Well, because the that. evidence isn't evidence for you anymore, you know? And I remember even before I stopped identifying as Christian, uh, my dad and I had this conversation around this where it was so freeing because you batter me with the Bible and I was just like, Dad, I, I don't relate to the text the way you do anymore. Like I view it. I don't view as perfect. And I don't view as the word of God. And he was just like, well, the, the Bible says, I'm like, that's circular reasoning one. And two, um, I, I don't care. Like, w- and it was so freeing. Cause then like the evidence that would be used, I it, especially with him, my mom will still do it at times, but my dad in particular, like, he'll quote it to himself, but it's, it, and they'll, cause they still believe it and they still hold, hold on to it. And it's just so interesting now. Cause those verses used to hold so much power over me um, and kind of put me in a cage. And now it's just like, mm. hmm, interesting thought. Because I can bump into stuff. Like, I, I have a Bible. Um, and every so often I'll open it because there's some things in there that can be good. And mm-hmm. so I'll bump into some things. I'm like, oh, nice. That's it. And, yeah. like, um, if it serves me, then great. And if it doesn't I, I I don't care anymore, so I have some mm-hmm. friends that are still there they're like maybe in that progressive space um if they're more of an ally with me now and i I love that the Bible still serves them um but I remember there was this uh lesbian black pastor out of d c that i um she did this talk about how much she loves the Bible and I'm not there. I'm like it can be nice it, it can be a beautiful way of connecting with God, but she was a another part of shifting this inside of me because um it went from the bible was this beautiful thing that i like had to be devoted to or wanted to be devoted to again that like blurry line of want and um being forced to to then it being viewed as a weapon of harm for me as a queer person and so i'm hearing her say this this black lesbian woman and i'm just like of anyone on the planet who should have a issue with this book, it should be you. And so luckily it was a smaller gathering. And so she got off the stage and I was like, Hey, if you're open to it, can I chat with you for a second? And we're talking, and I go, why, <laughs> why, why do you love the Bible so much? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I go, it, it it's so problematic. and It's been used to like hurt someone just like you who is queer, yeah. who has, ancestry in slavery and who is a woman, like a like like all of these things have been used against you with this book. And so she goes, Because I see it for what it is, and it is different people throughout different times in a specific culture that is rooted in misogyny and had slavery, um, and was homophobic. And that group was trying to figure out who God was and failed miserably, but tried to reach through and touch something beyond themselves. And Mm -hmm. I see that struggle and that's what gets me excited about the Bible. And I see a a divine God that continues to um, show up for them in spite of them being ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, like, I I don't know if I fully get there with, with where she's at, but I do see like with every text um, or spiritual expression, a, a kind of wrestling with what is life where did we come from? Do I matter? Mm-hmm. Am I loved? Like those big questions are, I think, what all of us are wrestling with. And mm-hmm. if there is something beyond me, who or what is that? And so I think that there's something I can learn from any person that's trying to do that or any text. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I know that, you know, a theme that you write about a lot and explore a lot is the intersection of faith and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, Has that always been something you've been interested in? I know you said even as a little boy, you like knew you were gay or at least had those feelings. And like, how did that come to be curiosity about the intersection of faith and sexuality rather than like, I'm all set with the faith part?
1: I think it's because they were always at odds. You know, those are the two biggest things of who I was as a kid. It was and still and still like I would say that the spirituality one is definitely kind of taken uh the volume has decreased on that one it's still so much a part of who i am and i think that the volume on that will increase and decrease over time as my sexuality has but like
0: okay.
1: those two things were always enemies mm. and both were true inside of me and so i think that's why so much energy was given to that is because i needed to see how these collided um mm. For a long time in my life, a quarter of a century, it was um this thing inside of me is evil, and um I must subdue it um for the sake of god um, and now I see how they're in conversation, I see how um they hold hands um and it makes me. Uh, It deepens both now. And so it's been so fun to find a harmony between those two. And I think that uh, and beyond. So that's with me where I, you know, like, I'm so grateful for how my expression of love um, busts open the doors of what could be and causes us to dream about ourselves and relationships and conversation like something i love about queer relationships is i am not handed a blueprint which can be frustrating um but i think a lot of straight relationships could benefit from queer relationships in the sense of so much of straight relationships is inherited well i am the woman in this relationship so there ergo i have to it looks like this 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 to be a good wife to be a good mother there are these roles that were inherited and inside of sex, there are certain roles, um, and to you can flex around those things a little bit if you if you like dare to dream. But it's very common that those are just inherited, which also then yeah. inherit um, unspoken expectations, unspoken, which then create unspoken frustrations. Um, rather, I am not afforded that luxury, which is good and bad because now I have to have a conversation with my partner about what I want. Um, and we have to decide those things together on how we fit um, yeah. from every element. Uh, it's not just like, well, you're, so you know, you're the woman in this relationship. So therefore you're staying home. No, we're both men. If yeah. If we decide to have kids, what does that look like? How can we get creative with that solution of providing for our family and also taking care of our kids? Um, mm. I'm not inherited anything and so in that regard and it's a bless. it really is I view it as like a blessing that's just one example of how my queerness not only benefits me but also the people around me mm. um, but I also think that um, culture has also forced us to bring those two together often more than I would actually like to
0: mm. um, what do you mean by
1: that so the, the, I feel like it has gotten so loud, uh, that a good Christian is, um, anti-trans. Like right Mm -hmm. now it is, is such a big, again, so society is putting those two together. It's putting sexuality and spirituality together or faith, Mm -hmm. religion, whatever word you want to pick. Those are all, there's nuances there, but whatever your word Mm is, um, I would rather that it's so there's elements of me that love to intersect those. And there's other ones where I feel forced to intersect um, because of culture. And so um, like an example for me where I'm like, no, I'm going to speak up about this uh, is like a recent article where I wrote, like God is trans. Cause like, if there is a Mm. God beyond us, even using the language of the Bible, like that their pronouns are not he, him, it makes zero sense. Like even talking about the Trinity, like the three in one, how they is such a beautiful pronoun for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And if all gender is incorporated into the divine, then they also is a beautiful way of doing it. And so like, they lose their minds over it. And for me, I just over here kind of giggle to myself because I'm just like, you're unwilling to look at your own text and you really are cherry picking. So I'm going to continue to ruffle up feathers because I actually like, while I have uh, issues again with the text and stuff, I do like a lot of Jesus and the, the group that he continually kind of intentionally flustered was the religious elite at the time. And so, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm fine with that, especially when it comes to things that aren't me. Um, I think that I don't want to always be on the defensive of my existence. That's why I moved okay. to Atlanta. Um, yeah. But I can do I can do that for my trans siblings. I can do that for my BIPOC siblings. I can do that for my um, women siblings, my sisters. Um, and so that's where it's like I, I especially if it's not me, I'm fine with using their own weapon against them. They even say it's a double edged sword. So. I'll go ahead and go Mm -hmm. for it. So some of that has been thrust upon me where I feel like I would rather not be so intimately connected uh, in certain regards, but culture has forced me to talk about the intersection because there's huge consequences. I have a friend that had to flee Tennessee because he mm-hmm. can no longer get trans care there. So, like, there mm-hmm. are real consequences to these beliefs. Um, to steal a phrase of my friend Kevin Garcia, bad theology kills. And so, there are beliefs connected with sexuality in that intersection that are doing harm to people. Yes. So, because of that harm, yes, I will speak about that intersection because mm-hmm. it is going to hurt people around me and myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just want to emphasize that. As my role as a therapist, but bad theology does kill, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is really harmful stuff, Um, which I agree, which is why I am not quiet about it either as much as Mm. it disrupts my family system or (laughs) the systems around me. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if there's anything you wish more people understood, like in the general public about this intersection of faith and sexuality.
1: I think maybe to steal my own words earlier, it's just like there can be beautiful harmony there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that uh, one that I did see growing up, but it was, it was monopolized and it was just one expression. And it was like how marriage is this picture of Jesus and his bride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of used in a way of like, idolizing marriage because it's interesting there's this movement now um, where uh, more and more uh, evangelical Christian spaces are getting more comfortable with like the celibate version of a gay person Mm -hmm. they're not all there there's still quite a bit of people are just like quit identifying with your sin and they're still being jerks but I have friends that live in that space Um, uh, side B is uh, how they identify Um, and um, and I'm just like even this person that is committing to celibacy, even like other expressions of Christianity, where you have priests that are committing to celibacy, apparently they can't express the divine. No. And it's like, well, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, you're you're blocking. You say that I don't have a way to exist and express the divine through my love and my um, uh, in my sexuality as a whole. Like that, that can't be the divine. And it can't Mm. express that. But here's a person that does not fit your idea of marriage. And also there are expressions of marriage in the Bible that are not your biblical version of marriage. Like one man married to thousands of concubines when it comes to Solomon. Like, but we would still, you would still say that Solomon was a godly man. Did he not express Mm. elements of the divine? Mm. Um, And so, um, I would say for those that are, like, in that space of, like, what I would like them to know is that there can be such beautiful harmony between those two, those Mm. two things. And um, sexuality and gender is not something to be scared of. To be honest, if you're scared of it, like, you're pretty, I would say, cowardly person. There are bigger things Mm. to be scared about and more menacing things to be scared about in the scheme of things, it's not a bully. Um, like your sexuality is trying to teach you things. Um, I've learned so much about myself and, um, what I'm looking for in the world and the people around me that I also need to find inside of myself. And Mm -hmm. like, I would not do that if I did not befriend my sexuality.
0: Um,
1: And so that's what I would say is the biggest thing is like your sexuality and your gender, like gender for me, like, I'm not going to talk a lot about that in the sense of like, I'm a cis man. I think there are way better candidates for that conversation, but I'm so grateful for my trans siblings that have taught me so much Mm -hmm. about gender and how it is political um, in the sense of people have been using that for since the ton of time to ostracize Mm -hmm. and rob people of power. And so um, I think, jumping into those things like uh there's um I, I don't know what the sign is my brother is an asl interpreter and there's a sign mm-hmm. for those things that like they don't have a clean answer um and it like mm-hmm. literally translates sticky but it's more nuanced than that um mm-hmm. and i think that like sexuality and gender instead of being a menace can be a beautiful um teacher it's not going to give us like those clean answers of like repeat after me i feel like it's going to be more of the type of thing that jesus would do would be asking presenting a question with a question um, mm-hmm. in order for you to wrestle with um, some important things about how you live and show up in the world
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I love that and i I love the the idea of befriending your sexuality that really resonates for me, befriending my sexuality, my own queerness, which happened much later in life um yeah. was has been some of the most profound spiritual experiences mm, that I've mm-hmm. had like there that is sacred mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. if that's a term that yeah
1: really useful. yeah I I love that term and I think that like I I love I love that that's probably maybe another intersection of like where I actually don't think there's an intersection of like the common and the sacred but I do mm. like I think that that word can be so helpful in the sense of like claiming pride in something and claiming the Mm. importance of something. And I do, I think there's a sacredness to all sexuality um, and how it shows up with us and what it's trying to teach us and what it's whispering and um, moving. And it's, it is a fucking fire. If we can (laughs) do language, please. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it's a fire. Like sexuality is a fire and it can Mm. light up my life. It can warm me. Um, and it can, I've, I've, I've experienced where it can burn me and the people around me. And so like, yeah. um, I, I, but I think that being so, imagine if humanity was so scared of fire that they would be afraid to engage with it. Yeah. There's so much of the world that you would never see. Um, mm. and there's so much warmth that you would miss out on, um, as a result of you being so too scared of something that is actually quite beautiful and right and wonderful and divine. Yes.
0: So everything we've talked about is obviously very personal to your life and who you are. Mm-hmm. So how do you being in this space, working in this space, writing in this space, how do you take care of yourself and not get <laughs> I don't know, bogged down by it all?
1: I think um probably the biggest I'm noticing myself in this now is I um Number one, uh, I I am trying, now that I've got my book out there, I, I, I have the luxury of being able to do this, but um, monitoring what I'm consuming on social media, um, mm-hmm. I think there are lots of, especially ex-evangelical creators, where I'm just like, I just don't want to be continually reacting to an old persecutor. It feels like the person that can't get over their ex. <laughs> Yeah, you know?
0: yeah,
1: And there's wonderful opportunities to date someone new, but they just keep, mm. all they can do is just talk about their ex. And I think that's important. I think like, like, um, you would be able to talk about this better than I can, but like, anger is a very important emotion to help us create boundaries and create space and safety and so i do okay. think there is an important stage of the x like the exvangelical evangelical or the whatever it is yeah. to just identify with i am no longer that i don't know what i am now but i'm no longer that and i do think that's important yeah. to create safety again just like if someone was attacking you it doesn't matter where you run just run um but i just I found myself in the same um, echo chamber. Um, Mm -hmm. I found myself more angry at Christians than I think I needed to be. I think I need to be stern with some of them, but at the end of the day, they're also still humans. Um, And so I want to, I know it sounds petty, but I want to be better than them in the sense of like, I don't want to judge them. Like not all of them are the same. So I'm going to try to be different. Like I don't want to just be on the other side and do the exact same thing they did to me. Um, So it's yeah. The consumption, especially in social media who i'm following who i'm listening to um and the other one that's been huge for me is um paying attention to my body and i think that is like maybe a pendulum swing of like i was so disconnected from my body um so i try to honor it uh more um because it's been good to me and so like i try to take care of it so like working out has been a huge thing for me in the sense of like if i have pent up anxiety or frustrations whether it be from christians in my life or just a weird ass day like it's just Mm -hmm. like or you know i posted something and that's the other thing too it's going back really quick to social media is like i had a friend that reached out was like you have so many people in your comments who are saying x y and z especially on tiktok because like the algorithm will just push things out of people Mm -hmm. and if people are engaging even if it's negative engagement they're gonna keep pushing out to that audience segment and they were just like, "How do you handle it?" I'm just like, "I've got to know that, like, I'm okay in myself." Um, so I got scattered there for a second. Uh, three, it's the what you're consuming. Listen to your body, especially like with working out and stuff like that, and breathing. And then going back to social media, it would be, um, it uh, touches social media. It's you got to be good in yourself. I think that uh, in the sense of like, you got to find peace in yourself first. Um, because yeah. how, how it was showing up for me is I needed to win every argument because mm-hmm. then I was validated and what I believed was validated and my experience was validated. At the end of the day, there's still also not enough information and data to prove that you're necessarily right. And so mm-hmm. the idea of being right has to be sacrificed. You just have to be right within yourself. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, like I can talk to you gets on social media and I can see their comments and just be like, oh, silly bigot. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's, but okay. it's because I did a lot of internal work to get right with myself and I can be proud of the choices that I'm making because um, I'm aligning to those values that I now care about. Um, mm-hmm. So those would, those would be the three that I think that had been critical for me. Um, it's not just social media, it's the third one, but I notice it the most with social media because I'll bump into those people who are very different than me because I've created some space from those people that are different than me because I needed that. So maybe that's the fourth mm-hmm. one. Um again, moving to Atlanta where it's like I'm not living in Colorado Springs, evangelicalism. Some of y'all like need to get out of your church that you're trying to save. Yeah. <laughs> Quit being the yeah. missionary. Like stop. Mm-hmm. Like get out, create safety for yourself, create space. Mm-hmm. Um and then once that's happened, like I can actually engage with people way more graciously because um I've um, have an alignment in myself that I am proud of and have um mm-hmm. that I can rest in, so
0: beautiful. do you have time for ten real quick unrelated yeah, sure. rapid
1: fire questions're good yeah yes please okay. i I saw that you do you do this with all your guests?
0: So this is something that I'm doing for this season um, because Cute. we're touching on some pretty heavy topics and I want to yeah, make yeah. sure that we have some levity in there too.
1: <laughs> I love it. No, that's so good. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we'll dive in. I'm just gonna shoot 'em at you. Um what song would be the background music for your life today?
1: Ugh, you asked me that what like I looked at all these ahead of time and I'm just like <laughs> Um I I think it would be because I'm free, free falling. Because it does feel that way nice. right now. Yeah. Where I'm like, mm. I'm in between in a lot of different spaces. Uh, mm. And I don't know what's coming. But um, yeah. I do feel like there's this free falling. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's mm. where I would say. I don't know what song. Because I'm free, free falling. Whatever that one is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that John Mayer?
1: Maybe. Or it sounds like it would be John Mayer. <laughs> I'm bad with (sighs) music and titles and artists. So that's what you're going to get. Uh,
0: Yeah. The therapist in me has a really hard time with these questions because I'm like, hmm, I want to hear more about that. But I'm going to stick to what I (laughs) promise, which is that they're rapid fire.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: What is the weirdest food combination that you enjoy?
1: I adore peanut butter and Oreos to do a shout out for Parent Trap it's so good yeah Yeah. Yeah. so good (laughs) just dip them right in
0: um i see you have a tattoo Mm -hmm. so you're a tattoo person what would you get today if you walked into a studio what are you getting
1: um so since you read my book there is a group of us that there are four of us friends that grew up together and so i want a one one fourth fraction like one over four Mm. um and i want it both not just for him but for a symbol of me like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Everyone read the book and so you can understand what, <laughs> what Brandon's talking about. Um when was the last time you laughed so hard that you cried?
1: Um the time that comes to mind is passion conference just happened here in Atlanta and I've again gotten distance from Christianity. So this like charismatic Christian expression so like I just saw a bunch of teenagers walking around uh with books under their arms I'm like what is going on and it was just (laughs) just, just like Christians um and so then my boyfriend who does not have the same trauma as me um was like I went to a Taylor Swift concert and I and as a person that went to a Taylor Swift concert as a Swifty I'm saying this is the widest crowd I've ever seen and I (laughs) laughed so hard. I don't know if I cried, but I was laughing so hard, like at least a good couple of minutes. Where I'm just like, "This is oh my god, it's so good."
0: I, I love the the people who didn't grow up in this and and yep. what they offer. Yes. To us. it's a
1: gift. Oh, it truly is. I'm so glad I'm dating him <laughs> for yes. many reasons, but that being one of them. Yeah.
0: Um, what is one odd one item on your bucket list?
1: Uh, go to every continent i don't need to do antarctica but all the other ones
0: okay at least one country (laughs) yeah what is one thing you're reading or watching right now
1: i just started um silo yesterday on apple tv plus and i'm i am reliving my sci-fi fantasy Days I've been consuming so much fantasy and audiobooks. Brandon Sanderson, mm. shout out! I adore that man and everything he writes. So um, <laughs> I've been really loving the mystery behind Silo. Maybe I'll be let down, but so far the 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 mystery box is sucking me, and it's been good.
0: Mm, nice. What is something that strangers often incorrectly assume about you?
1: you gave these to me and I have an answer. <laughs> I uh, thought this
0: would be the easy one, given everything we've talked about with social media.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, no, that's I, it's probably feeding me a little bit, but that is true. I think that a lot of my friends, and I've like owned this publicly now, a lot of my friends think that I'm anti-Christian. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not actually. I am mm-hmm. anti behavior of certain Christians. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't be quiet about that, but like a lot of my friends have been like I don't know if I can be around you because you're so angry I'm like you we've hung out like am I the angry in person and I think that that's part of it is social media you kind of have to become a caricature for easy consumption which I'm not a fan of um and uh and so like I I actually do a video where like I had felt it for a long time and I'm big on authenticity and so like I was just like this isn't completely fully authentic like I throw shade at Christians because they deserve it at times mm-hmm. for sure but like i'm not out here being like oh you're a christian and like i'm gonna attack you um some of my best yeah. friends are christian so
0: yeah. what emoji do you use
1: somehow oh i'm embarrassed by this one it's the laugh crying one and i alternate between that one and the tilted crying so i do this it's the back back and forth as, yep. as if i'm rolling yep. on the yep. ground yeah yeah i do that way too much
0: Yes. It's a millennial thing, I
1: think. I think so. I know. I didn't realize that was a millennial thing until I was a teacher. And then my middle schoolers were just like, Ugh, you use emojis. And we're just like, What do you mean? Yes, ugh. I use emojis. Yes, I do, of course. Yeah, I'm
0: fascinated by emojis, actually. So I love but we them. don't need to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, two more. What is your favorite scent?
1: A summer rain in Colorado. I, mm. I love lovely. it. Yeah. It, there's these monsoons that come in, like clockwork mm. at like 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the front range. It pours rain for like 10 minutes, and then the sun comes right back out. And so just that mm. smell is just, oh, I love it. Mm. I'll have to get
0: there. I've never been to Colorado. I'll have to get there in scene. monsoon season. Yeah. 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 It's lovely. I'll stay away from the evangelicals and find <laughs>
1: Yeah, do Denver, like go into the mountains, avoid yeah, If yeah. You go there just to garden the gods and quickly leave. Like, <laughs> okay. Good to know.
0: Um, so, last question What is your favorite place on the planet?
1: Oh. <laughs> Man, I'm so torn. Um, <laughs> You've been new too i would pick either between uh okay and i'm going to i would pick between um berlin like living there was so special for me but i haven't been back and so maybe i won't feel the same anymore um and Mm -hmm. then chiang mai uh thailand like i just i've thought about trying to move there at some point just because i love i think it was very special to me in my journey and also it's just like a very fun place so i'd say I might also say even though I have trauma there, I do love Colorado. Every time I, I there there are elements of Colorado I just I just love. I love I'm a I'm a mountain boy. Um so many things mm. I didn't realize I was Colorado. Like I love Chipotle, I love my kombucha, I love my Chacos, I love climbing a fourteener. I you know, just all that silly stuff. I just I mm. it's still deeply a part of me. So there you go. Yeah, yeah,
0: I get that. I love that. I, I've been actually thinking a lot recently about trauma and sense of home and
1: place mm. and thinking about my mm-hmm. own
0: um, uh, That's such a good um,
1: question
0: Conversation for another day for sure
1: Yeah oh my gosh that's uh, a really good one though
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've written a lot about um, Noah Kahn I don't know if you're familiar with mm, him. No. He's a singer okay. he's from Vermont I'm from Vermont
1: so, Oh cute Anyway, okay. I,
0: have, I have writing out there around this topic that is consumable for okay. people interested yeah, i um, Anyway, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been so fun to get to know you, especially after reading the book. And I definitely recommend everyone go out and, and read it, you know, whatever whatever your relationship with religion is. I think it's really helpful, actually, for lots of different types of people. Mm-hmm. So Thanks, where can Karen. people find you, follow you, get to know you?
1: Yeah, uh, I would just start with com. Flannery has one N, Brandon Flannery. Um, there's links to all my socials on there too. I, I'm most active on Instagram. I used to be most active on TikTok, but um, Instagram I've kind of fall back on and just really enjoy that there. So yeah, brandonflannery.com. Awesome. And then my handles are there. My handle is also Flan Brand. Imagine like an old person cereal. So
0: yeah, love it. Yes. And I'll link all of that in our show notes. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brandon. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Really appreciate the conversation. It was really nice.
0: This has been another conversation with your friend, the therapist. To follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at your friend, the therapist pod. And you can follow my work as a trauma therapist and yoga teacher on Instagram at Carrie Fillion Psychotherapy or my website, carriefilian.com. I am committed to keeping the show ad free and accessible to everyone. So if you would like to make a donation to support the work of your friend, the therapist, you can find a link to my PayPal in the show notes. You can also support the show by listening and subscribing on Substack, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. If this show has been helpful for you, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Your support means the world. Until next time, take care and stay well.